Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special guest, Mr. Shannon White of True Art Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a.k.a. BJJ, and he is my new jiu-jitsu coach. Uh, For those of you who have been listening for a while, you'll know that a couple of years ago I started jiu-jitsu and was there for a few months. It was at a different academy in Northeast Ohio, and we had on the head instructor at that point, Chad Kuhn, to talk about East Coast martial arts and the things that they're doing and kind of his background and how he came up and how he got to be teaching and his uh, journey to black belt. I got to see him get his black belt. It was pretty cool. It was just after I started going there where I guess he had been a brown belt for a very long time. Well, that's an interesting podcast. If you've not heard that one, go back and listen to this one or that one, excuse me. And now today we're talking with Shannon, who is my new jujitsu coach. And I decided after, what, taking a year, almost a year and a half off to get back into it. It was time to get back into it. And I found a new gym that was a little bit closer to work, a little bit easier on my schedule. And I, I went there and checked it out and I liked it. So I figured, worst case scenario, I can't, I hate it. I'm there for a few months. I can always go back to my old gym. It's no big deal. But now that I'm there, I love it. I'm having a great time. I love the boyos. And I wanted to have Shannon on to talk about his background. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that I can talk him into coming back on and doing some more segments. Now, whether that's bullshitting with some other boyos from the gym or maybe talking about their stories or telling crazy competition stories because these guys travel all over the, the Midwest, really, and compete in tournaments and do that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting. And they certainly have some funny things to talk about. But if nothing else, I'd really be interested to, to do some Q&A with Shannon. I think that that would be a lot of fun because I know that I had a lot of similar, um, not similar, but basic questions when starting and uh, looking for a new gym and and uh, the different culture that he, that he had built and looking at those kind of things. And I think it'd be really fun to get into those kind of nitty gritty details and then maybe also answer some questions from you guys in the podcast or people from the gym and, and just throw things out there and see where things go. I'd love to kind of pick his brain and see if we all can't learn something together. But today we basically, like I said, just talked about his background, got to know Shannon a little bit, and hopefully we will definitely be able to weasel him back on the podcast. <laughs> we'll see what kind of uh, fun things we can get him to get into. But without any further ado, please sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have a special guest, my jiu-jitsu coach, Mr. Shannon White. How are we doing, sir? What's going on, guys? I'm doing good. So I've been trying to get Shannon on for a couple of weeks here, and luckily he had some time today, so we're going to sit down and do a discussion. Uh, it's been a long time since so we talked about really jiu-jitsu on the podcast. Um, I was at another gym almost 
a year and a half ago now, I think, something like that, with East Coast Martial Arts in Canton. And we had uh, the head coach on there, and it was a lot of fun, but training kind of stopped there, and I was kind of off for, I don't know, six, eight months, something like that. And then I remember seeing a, a video of Tim Kennedy. He was basically saying, you can't train like a bitch. I was like, oh, I got to start getting back into jiu-jitsu and uh, get back in the fight game here because I believe that every grown man should learn how to fight. And me personally, I think that uh, jiu-jitsu is probably the most prevalent of the arts. I think Muay Thai is beautiful, but I don't really want to get punched and need in the face. Uh, so nonetheless, uh, found Shannon's gym. It's actually a little bit closer to, uh, to my office on my way home. Uh, it was a little bit better in my schedule. And I, I remember I, I, I think I sent you an email and I wanted to know the culture that you had built in the gym because I didn't want to come into a gym with a bunch of like 20 year olds who are only looking to compete and they're going to kick my ass because I'm a little bit older. I'm kind of past that in my life and kind of want to learn and move forward, but didn't want to just get beat to death every time I come in there. And I, I know you sent me an email back and just been, hey, just give me a call. I think we talked on the phone for a good 45 minutes or so one night on my way home from the office and sounded like a great culture and came in and watched the class and met you and kind of got to watch everything and and uh, signed up like a couple weeks later, I think, once uh, the New Year's were kind of over and kind of been there ever since. Unfortunately, we just got back into training as the whole craziness of the world has happened and everyone's lives has been shut down. But nonetheless, we're back at it. So pretty excited. So thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's good to it's good to finally be on, you know. Uh talk about jujitsu. You know, it's it's one of those things like jujitsu is such a important thing in my life. You know, it's been my life for the last eleven years and you know, when people People want to talk. They're like, "Hey, man, do you, you want to talk about jujitsu?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man! I'll, <laughs> like, talk, I'll talk to you for hours." About when, you, when do you not want to talk about yeah, jujitsu? All the time. My wife doesn't want to talk about it at all. But. Well, that's usually how that works because, yeah. like, it's it's your life, so you you're all right. in it, and she doesn't want to talk about it. She supports you, obviously, right. but like, I know my my weightlifting coach is kind of the same way. Where we talk like weightlifting, what's going on in training, and this and that, and videos. You see this guy? What about that? And he gets home, and she's like, "I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah. I've got enough of it." You know, and, and I get, she just no, wants to yeah. de-stress. I completely right. understand because that's, that's kind of his time away. So I get that. Now you said, uh, you just, you've been in your life for the last what, 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. And how old are you now? I'm 30. Okay. Um, I guess let, let's start in the way back machine. Kind of tell me a little bit about how you grew up and kind of like, maybe did you play any sports growing up? You know, any activities like Boy Scouts or anything like that or. Yeah, man. So like, I was like a, you know, just like any normal kid. Like I started, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in Green, Ohio. You know, it's a really nice suburb. So, like, Northeast Ohio. Yeah, a really nice suburb. And, you know, I remember, you know, I used to race BMX bikes. I used to, you know, do all the crazy stuff that boys did. Uh, I played oh, baseball. Oh, you raced? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. When did you get into racing? My brother actually got into it. I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. And he actually was racing BMX bikes. We used to go to the Akron. Like, uh, we, there's a BMX track right by the Derby Downs. It's okay. not there. By the Rubber Bowl. It's not there anymore. Um, I think the racetrack might still be there, but like the rubber bowl is not. Um, but yeah, we used to go there and race our bikes and just like ever since I was little, I was always like super competitive, you know, in, in a lot of things that I did. Um, but I brought a flyer home one day. I was maybe like six, six or seven. And, uh, I asked my mom, I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to do this. I, I, it was a flyer for what it was for wrestling. Okay. And, And me, I was like, I thought it was like big time wrestling. Oh, like the I, WWF yeah, or the, the time, WWE or oh, whatever yeah, it is now? Oh, yeah, because it was like the Attitude Era. You know what I mean? You had like Stone Cold, Triple H, 
you know, that whole. I guess that was a little rock. past like the Hulk Hogan oh, era. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit past that. You know, we're talking like like mid to late nineties, and uh, wrestling for some reason just really, it really took like it, it took over me because I, I really liked that competitive aspect because it's the one on one me versus you. And it's that it's that competitive nature that I have to like inf- like force my will on another human being to try to get them to give up. And wrestling is interesting because, like you said, it is one on one, but it is still a team aspect. Right. So you, you've got the camaraderie of everything, right. but it's it's not just the individual. Like in right. high school, like I did track, and that was much more of like the one on ones, except for the relays. And I know we had the team and you got team points and everything, but it didn't have that same kind of camaraderie right. like wrestling does. Where you're, everybody's going through the suck all the same time. Right. Everyone's cutting weight. Everyone's unhappy. But, you know, the friends that I had, the teammates that I had in wrestling, you know, I have, they're still my friends, you know, to this day. You know, we share that, those memories, you know, going to tournaments and, you know, cutting weight and, you know, summer workouts and camps and all that stuff. And those are things that I, you know, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. You know, wrestling has taught me so much, you know, not only about, I didn't just learn the sport of wrestling, you know, the most important things that I learned in wrestling are not, you know, they're not tangible. You can't I, touch think, them. I think that's the great thing about getting kids involved in sports. They mm-hmm. learn so many life lessons. That's why I hate the new ideas of, we don't want to be competitive. We don't want right. to keep score. We don't want to do these things. Like, no, these are yeah. important lessons that these kids need to learn. Right. It's because those parents suck. Yes, that is very true. It's because those parents like have never been competitive. They never played sports. So they're like, oh, I don't want my kid to grow up to learn to be competitive. Well, I want my kid to grow up to like, you know, my wife and I are expecting our first kid. You know, I'm going to have a son. And Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, I want my kid to grow up to to not always like winning. Winning is not the most important thing. Like, I, I definitely agree with that. But trying your hardest and trying your best is the most important. Like, you shouldn't go into any match or any competition like, I don't care if I win or lose. Like, to me, that's like you need to go out there like – at least try your best to win. And if you don't win, then that's okay. At yeah, because let's yeah, be honest, tried. there's always somebody better. Someone's you're always, al- you're yeah. always going to lose from time to time. Yeah. It's going to happen. Especially in jiu-jitsu, especially in wrestling, there's always going to be someone out there that's going to beat your ass, and there's nothing you're going to do about it. But guess what? If you at least go out and try your best, then I'm never going to be upset. But if you go out there and you're just kind of like going through the motions and you don't really care, then why are you here? Yeah. You know, like all that, like, I think we're kind of moving out of that trophy generation of kids where they're like, everyone gets a trophy, you know, like my kid doesn't work as hard as yours, but he's still going to get the same trophy. You know, like I, I didn't grow up in that. No, cause you got to earn yeah. stuff. I, I mean- remember racing bikes and we, they would have the, the trophies on, on a table, like at near the concession stand. And they would, they would always say like, if you got in the top three, you would get a trophy. And if you didn't get in the top three, you didn't get anything. So there were times where like we would race and there would be like eight guys and you know in the starting gate, you know however many would take off because you know, a lot of times with that you have qualifiers too, right? Yeah, so you might yeah. have like four or five heats. Those are to get yeah. to the final heat. Those would be even for like the the more elite guys. You know, oh, at really? the time we were young, so they would just let us get out there and let us you know you know pedal as hard as kings. Most of us couldn't even get up high on the berms or go over like the doubles or you know the tabletops or whatever we had to get over. Yeah, most of us couldn't get going fast enough anyway. Okay, so it was just to get us out there and let us have some fun. But yeah. even then, it's you're you're competitive, you know. So I remember. Being like, well, I want to get at least in the top three because I want a trophy. And if I did, if I didn't get one, I would I would be upset. But guess what? My mom would tell me, try harder. Yeah. Get get. What do you, you want me to tell you? You, you didn't make it. You didn't you make get, it, kid. You gotta earn it. Yeah. You didn't make it, kid. And and you know what? Like it's, it's one of those things that that definitely helps when you're a kid, knowing like 
when you have that competitive mindset at the same time, you know that you set those goals for yourself. And if you don't achieve it, it's, you can't put that blame on anyone else. That's the nice thing about like we talked about those individual sports is because for a lot of players, like if you play football and I love football, but you know, if you miss your blocking assignment, you know, someone may come up and fill that gap or, you know, you may read the play wrong and someone take over and, you know, maybe it just goes to shit and, you know, you get out of it. And no one really notices Well, in wrestling when you get thrown to your back in front of hundreds of people and get fucking pinned. Everybody's watching. Everyone watches that. <laughs> and you know what I mean? As a, as a, as a fucking 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid, that's hard. You know what I mean? Cause you're embarrassed. You got to get up, shake hands and you got to walk off the mat. You know? And I think that's also one of the more important things that you get from wrestling is that like you might get your ass beat and that's fine. It's, it's okay. Like, cause again, like there's always going to be some people better. There's just nothing you can do about that. But to have the grace to stand up, shake that person's hand, and walk off and know that, hey, I did my best. I screwed up. I need to yep. work on this. I'll fix that. We'll work yep. on that in practice. But it's like I'm not going to be pouty. I'm not going to no. not shake their hand. I'm not going to be an ass about it. It's like, yep. no, it's shake their hand, congratulate them, and then go do more work, come back and beat them later. For sure. It's harder, I think, you know, when you're, when you're in an individual sport like that and you lose the close match. You lose by one. Or you lose like an overtime. Those are the hard ones to swallow because you were right there. Yeah. You know, those those are the worst because you you knew how close you were to winning and you made that mistake and you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna run that match back and I'm gonna get it back. But when you get, you know, tech fault in wrestling, you get beat by fifteen points. Like you didn't even belong on the mat with no, the guy. No, what, what does that mean for people who who've never wrestled? So like a tech fall in wrestling would be like it's almost like a mercy rule. Think of it like that. Like you score fifteen points ahead of your opponent. So seventeen to two, tech fall. That means it's a way of like saving that person from further embarrassment. Okay. Because was it more injury, do you think, maybe or No, it's just it's just just the way the rules are. I think okay. it's just a, it's because if that was the case, there are definitely kids out there like you could take a kid who's, you know, state place or state champion could wrestle a kid who's only maybe wrestled a couple years in high school, yeah. two years in high school. And that, that kid's probably been wrestling since he was six. Since he was little, and now yeah. he's 16. Yeah, and that kid's going to freaking, could run up 40, 50 points on him. But the point is, is that you don't embarrass the kid to the point where he doesn't want to come back and wrestle anymore. Because at that point, okay. you know, it's, it's, that makes more it's sense. That, why, do, why do they have mercy rules in baseball? You know what I mean? In Little League, they have, you get a, oh, what is it, like seven runs or eight runs, that's a mercy, the game's over. It's to save those kids the further embarrassment of just getting beat more and more and more and more because they don't learn nothing at that point. Yeah, you know? but but that also might be a, is a lot of time constraint as well because mm-hmm. a lot of times there's a lot of different games. Yeah, double scheduled. headers. Exactly. Right. So so that might be more of that, I think. But but I, I like the, the idea of not embarrassing the person too much more and let, let yeah. them come back and not be not want to not play again. I guess right. baseball would be the, kind of the same thing though, right? Because – it sucks when somebody runs up 20 runs on you in, mm-hmm. in an inning and you can't do anything about it. Nothing. Like, no, that makes sense. Yeah. That's probably more of what it is for. Yeah. I mean, it's just to make sure that, like you said, safety, but at the same time, like they're young kids and they don't need to, I guess the word would be like, they don't need to be exposed to that type of, of playing just yet because you know when you get to the highest level you know you get to college there's no mercy there's no mercy in high school there's no at least i know of there's none in the mlb you see mlb games that guys like indians have scored over 20 runs in a game you know they don't stop it then because they're adults they they know how to deal with that but a kid that's like impressionable that you know you want to make sure that they stay in the sport because and i'll be honest with you like wrestling is a sport that you know it's very near and dear to my heart but there's not a lot of kids that are coming out for wrestling anymore no because they're like, you know, parents are like, oh, concussions and, 
you know, this and that, you know, you know, like when I'm going to tell you, like when I started youth wrestling, there were over a hundred kids on my youth team and they packed us in a room that was the size of the gym. Like literally like they packed us in there and we had great coaches. All these guys would come in and help us. And you know, some of the high school kids would stay and help the youth. And it was super nice, super helpful, super informative. But I'll tell you, like now you can see a youth team that's only got, sometimes they'll have 30, 40 kids that come out. And that, those kids, that'd but, be a big team. Well, but the problem is, is that how many of those kids are going to stick with it through high school? So yeah, I would, assume I, I would like say of a hundred, yeah, I would say of a hundred, we maybe of those hundred, I would say that stuck through it. At least when I went to green, I would say maybe 15%, 20% stuck with it from youth through to the high school level. That yeah, makes sense. And they fall off. So how many are going to fall off when you have 30 or 40? I mean, honestly, it's probably the same percentage or it's probably a little bit lower. Yeah. So 14 kids fill a high school wrestling roster. All right, 14. When I wrestled in high school, we had a good-sized team. We probably had around 30 kids on it, 25 to 30 kids. So we would have a kid at least to back up almost every weight. Nowadays, you have teams. Biggest teams can't even fill most of their roster. So they're forfeiting. You know, maybe they forfeit 106. They forfeit, you know, 126. Like they a different weight heavy. class that they don't have. Yeah, they don't have for. someone. They don't have yeah. no one to either wrestle the weight and. It's sad because, you know, the the sports that get the most love, you know, of course, like there are probably, when I was coaching wrestling, we probably had, geez, maybe there was probably like five or six kids that sat the bench on the, on the basketball team that were good athletes, that if they came out for wrestling, they'd probably be okay because yeah. they're naturally good athletes, yeah. but they sit on the bench because they're not good enough to be on the court, but they want to be on the basketball team because basketball gets the most recognition. Absolutely. So it, it's, it's one of those trade-offs like, you know, I really wish that a lot more kids would and, and parents would push their kids to wrestling because of what it teaches you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's brutal, man. It's a brutal sport. But that's but a good thing. It's going to teach you to grind in mm-hmm. life. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No matter what you're going to do, yeah. you're going to have to work hard. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, for a lot of people, they, you know, I don't know how what people feel like in terms of politics, but they say like in terms of government, there are more wrestlers that are senators that are governors than any other sport represented the wrestlers like when you go into the armed force like you go into the military one thing i will guarantee you they look for is if you wrestled if you put that down in your application like what are sports that you played wrestling they will probably push you more towards you know something like green beret you know some navy seal something because you have that something to spec up yeah because you have that mentality that hard-working tough mentality that a kid that played you know, soccer, not to say that soccer is not a tough sport, but it's not the same toughness that it takes to be a wrestler. Yeah, it's not the same kind of grit. No, it's not. Because um, I know that in, in my office, the one uh, what I'm working at now, they actually look for um, college athletes. That specifically is something they look for in people that they hire. Yeah. Because, like, they, they've got a lot of hard work, determination. Yeah. Teamwork. Like, stick to like yeah. anything like that. And know? they know how to communicate. Yeah, because, like, the, the, the head honcho is, uh, was a – College wrestler, I believe. Yeah. I think his kids played lacrosse. I don't think they wrestled, but but he's he's just a tough nosed kind of mm-hmm. guy, you know. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. Like it's funny. Like wrestlers, man, we only know how to do things like a couple ways. You know, it's always the hard way because that's all we know. <laughs> you know, that's all we know. I think that's why people, a lot of people, like having wrestlers around, is because you know, especially in the in the in the workforce, is just because we'll get the job done. It may not be the prettiest thing in the world, but we'll get it done. Because, you know, we would rather fail than, or, you know, we would rather like, for me, like wrestling has taught me that, that hard work mentality, but at the same time, like I would, I would break my back 
to literally get a job or a task done rather than fail. Okay. And that's, that's super important. Like not a lot of, there's just not a lot of sports out there that teach kids that. No. You know, like when I would play baseball, like we would lose a game. And, and I remember like the reason I liked wrestling, I wanted to quit playing baseball was because my coach would say, you know, he would get mad at us after a game. Well, like I played travel baseball. We had to try out for this team. So like it was a, a couple hundred kids that would go into the gym. We try out and that we would travel all over the state and we would play and, you know, I was probably the worst or the second worst kid on a good team. So, like, sometimes I didn't even get to play, and our coach would yell at us and be like, oh, you know, you know, we lost this game, blah, 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 blah. Well, I didn't even get to play the game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a loser. Like, I didn't even get a chance to bat. I didn't even get a chance. Like, maybe I would have not, you know, messed up and, like, got a freaking, you know, error on the ground ball or dropped the ball in the outfield. You know, maybe I could have made that play. So it's one of those things, like, it's frustrating, but in wrestling – if you want my spot, like it's one of the few sports where there's no politics. And if you want my spot, we have to wrestle off for it. And you've got to beat me. If you want it, come get it. And that's it. Like, yeah. and, and it's the same in tournaments. You know what I mean? It's you versus me, you know, and, and there's nothing more satisfying than, than being out there on the mat and just pressuring someone, pressuring someone, pressuring someone to the give up. And it's then, just a weird feeling, man. And having played sports all my life, like there's, there is really nothing else really like that. Because everything else, you're right. There is kind of a lot of politics in it, mm-hmm. and it's like who's who's the coach's kid? Oh or yeah. what's going on? Or who's you the, hear it all the time? Or who, who's the popular one? Or Basketball. Who's, who's, got, who's like in the in football. high school area? It's like who's got family in the boosters? And right. This and oh, that. Yeah. And this, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like you yeah. almost have to be like a freak stud. Yeah, you have to, to stick out amongst everyone else. Yeah, to to, to, to even to, to yeah. get past that right. kind of to stuff. to get past that, and which all, which I did luckily in high school just because I was well, I was this height at 15 years old, so you kind of stick out. Right. You know, so I was I was six foot five, dear God, but I was I was a beanpole back then. But you always hear the kids, you know, in high school, these like, you know, these guys that go to high school with you hear them bitching all the time, like, oh, you know, I should be starting over this person, and I'm just like, then go fucking beat them, like, shut up, go, just go, you know, it's it's always. But like, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because I can remember playing a uh, little league, and the, the one of the coach's kids played first base, and I was the big tall kid, so typically I was like a first baseman right. or a pitcher, and. And they would have him play in first. He's like, well, look at these amazing plays he's doing. Because the kid was short. And he'd like make these incredible stretches and this and that. I'm like, yeah, but that's a routine play for me. For me, yeah. I probably like, have to move. Yeah, like, like I don't have to stretch out anything yeah. crazy. Like I just catch the ball. But because yeah. it, it, he made it look hard. Yeah. Like he got to play. And also because it was the coach's, coach's kid. kid. Yeah, it's right. just kind of how that works. Nonetheless. Uh, okay, so obviously your mom said yes to, yeah. to the flyer to let you wrestle. So yeah. you started wrestling. Uh, now you said you still play a little bit of baseball and other sports. You still play? Yeah. You still ride your bikes, you, or do you just quit everything and focus on wrestling? Yeah. So like, like I said, being com- super competitive, like my brother, you know, stuck with riding bikes, and and he was really good. Like my brother was super good BMX racer, really good like freestyle bike rider, and like the thing that I hated was that he was better than me, <laughs> like, little bastard. That's what so. happens? You put more time into something. Oh yeah, man. I mean, he's. I mean, my brother's always been super athletic. You know, he's strong as shit and. You know, he, uh, I, I was just not into it anymore. I kind of like fell out of it. It was kind of his thing. And, you know, I, I really just, I liked baseball, but I just, it wasn't the same love that I had as I did for wrestling. Okay, and I can, so, and I can so wrestle all when, year When round. did you stop um, playing baseball then? <sighs> probably, probably high school, junior high? Sixth, seventh grade. Okay. So pretty young. Pretty young. Okay. I stopped playing and. You know, I, I wanted to focus a lot of my time on wrestling. Ended up moving from Green to North Canton and um, started backup wrestling. And I met a bunch of my friends and I wrestled all through high school. 
Um, Do you wrestle in college? No, actually, okay. I was I was going to wrestle in college um, at Mount Union University. Uh, it's not far. It's out like in Alliance, Ohio. And, um, you know, it was one of those things like I, I committed to go there and my parents uh, actually came downstairs. I was playing pool at a like a like a pool table in my basement. I would always play on it, just messing around. And uh, my parents came downstairs and were like, hey, you know, do you want to wrestle anymore? And I was like, it's all I knew. From the time I was a little kid, you know, that's what I, I did. You know, that was my sport that I loved a lot. And um, they were like, yeah, you don't have to wrestle anymore if you don't want. You can just go to college. You know, you can go to, you know, school for, you know, a year, semester, or whatever. And if you if you feel that you want to to go back and wrestle, you can. But if you want to just go to school and relax, you can. You know, we don't, we don't care either way. So after that, um, I went to uh, – Walsh University and did a, a visit and like it was crazy because I think like after just years of, of cutting weight and years of, of training so hard once I got like a taste of freedom for once <laughs> in my life I couldn't like I didn't have that self-control anymore like, I completely I, I, understand that it was weird like it was weird to be able to go into the cafeteria and eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted yeah and not you worry know? about having to lose 10 pounds right. this week and that was the thing like you know being able to focus on school and stuff um looking back I'm I'm happy because that's how I got started in jiu-jitsu because I didn't have anything anymore. And so I was I went from being super competitive, you know what I mean, my whole life wrestling 40, 50 matches, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you don't have anything any, anymore. I had to find something. Yeah. And one of my buddies, Dominic, he was doing jiu-jitsu at, at East Coast. And he was like, hey, well, dude, you should do jiu-jitsu. You should try it. And I'll tell you, the first time like I went into the gym and tried it, I fucking hated it. It's not surprising. No, I fucking hated it with like all of my heart because yeah, cause, it was, you've been wrestling your whole yeah, life. So I was you're like, probably oh, 18, 19 yeah. years old. Cocky like, shit. Yeah, like I know how to handle myself. Oh, this yeah. is no big deal. Like, I'm going to crush yeah, these and, guys. Yeah, and next thing I just got fucked up. Like I, <laughs> I got swept all over the place. You know what I mean? It I sounds like choked. that's a standard story in jiu-jitsu. It, <laughs> it really is. It really is, you know, and I got my ass beat and it's like I got I hated it because it pissed me off. You know, it was like all of these years of wrestling because wrestling and jujitsu mix. If like they'll mix, if you know how to mix them, but like there's certain things that yeah, mix, but not yeah, all of it for sure. Like a high level wrestler, like a super high level wrestler can go into like a mat, like a jujitsu match with like a, like a high level jujitsu guy and do all right. You know what I mean? Like they're going to, they're going to be hard to move. Of course, their base is going to be strong more than likely. Jujitsu guy will probably eventually catch them, but it'll take a little while. Whereas like, if you take an average high school wrestler against a, you know, a average blue belt, purple belt. The purple belt's gonna, the blue belt and purple belt are gonna destroy yeah. them. Yeah, you don't. Like, you they're don't gonna get tri- they're gonna get triangled a hundred times. They're gonna get guilt. Like the ultimate wrestler killer move is the triangle. They're gonna get darts. They're gonna get guillotine. They're gonna get ruined. They get choked or what? Get put in the crucifix or whatever. But yeah, it was it was super frustrating. But again, that mentality of like I have to learn this because I wasn't good at it, and I was like that pisses me off. And I think that's the right attitude. I think too many people try to run away from the adversity. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about that, whereas sometimes like upper belts might come into your gym, uh, which which is, is a tough gym. I mean, everybody there fights hard. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like that. And they, no. they, they come in and they might be a blue belt and get beat by some white belts. And they yeah. might be a purple belt and get, get beat by some blue belts. And, yeah. and it's like, and they don't like that. So they, they just tend not to come back, you said. But you said you, you tend to keep a lot of the new people who come right. in. All right, before we get too much into that, I think that's a great transition in. Let's backtrack just a second. So in high school, what weight class did you wrestle? 
So when I started my freshman year, I wrestled 125 pounds. Okay. What did you get up to as your senior year? 145 pounds. Okay. So I weighed – the most I ever weighed in high school was about 164 pounds. And then I would cut down to 145 pounds. So it was always, you know, what weight class can you be competitive? You know, what weight class can you be in to make sure that you have the best chance of getting to where you want to go? For me, it was always the state tournament. You know, I knew I was never – I knew, like, I was never going to be a state champion. You know what I mean? I knew that from a very young age, but unfortunately, you tend to know that pretty quickly. Yeah. It's like you just don't have the talent to get there. And yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's like you just, sometimes you just have to know your role and yeah. what, what you can yeah. and can't do. And those kids, you know, I had I wrestled a couple state champs in high school, and, and they just have another gear that I just couldn't get in. And I and I knew that, but it comes back to that that like, yeah, dude, you're gonna beat me, but I'm gonna fight as yeah, hard you're gonna as earn I can. It. I'm gonna fight as hard as I can, and you're still gonna win. You know what I mean? No matter realistically what I'm gonna do to you, you're probably gonna beat me. It doesn't matter. But if I if I just lay down for you, you know, I, I won't be able to I won't be able to sleep tonight. So I might as well just fight as hard as I can. And if I lose, I lose, man. Well, whatever. I walk off the mat and I'll wrestle back in the consolations and, and you know, do what I can. But how how's how far did you go like in high school? Did you ever make it to like regionals or districts or anything? Yeah, or? man. So we make it we made it to the you know, I made it to the district tournament and is that a team thing or is it an individual thing with wrestling? I it's don't know. both. So they do like you know, they have the you know the team points obviously lead you to, you know, if you get first as a team, second as a team. So they're always taking team points, but you have to score points as an individual. So, you know, if you take, you know, 10 guys to the district tournament, you have a really good chance of, of winning because oh, that's a team title because you have enough people. To you have get a lot points. of guys. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's like some guys, some teams take 14. Gotcha. You know, so it's like, holy shit. You know, if your team only takes four, well, hmm, good luck. <laughs> like, but there's an example like Monroeville. They had four, four time state champs in two years. So they won. I think I think they won a state title when I was a senior with just four kids at the state tournament, but all of them won state titles. So it was like it was crazy. So, so they had a couple of monsters. Oh yeah, and then four the kids of, that are just sad. Yeah, and the they rest of the guys are like, good. oh, they're okay. Yeah, but, they're not that good. Yeah, but yeah, no. So in Ohio, we have sectionals, districts, and then we make the state tournament. So they take four from the sectional, four from the district, and then there's 16 guys at the state tournament. Okay. So it's you know it's one of those things like you know there it's it's such a competitive sport in Ohio. Oh yeah, that's it's what, huge. That's what we do here. You know, like yeah. people say, what's your best sport? Wrestling. There, we, I mean, yeah. wrestling and football. Yeah, the, I mean, but two big ones. Yeah. But I would even argue, you know, what I mean, like wrestling. Wrestling is definitely the one thing that most of the kids that come from this state are known for. Like realistically, like if you look, like football is big. It, it's big in Ohio because there's, there's a bunch the, of kids that go D one. Yeah, there's play. a lot. There's a bunch. There's definitely a lot. But if you had to look at what we are the best at, what we put kids. You know, every year we have kids that are national champs that come from Ohio. We have plenty of kids that are all Americans. You know, that is what we do best is wrestle. And it's one of those things like I'm proud of that. You know what I mean? You have Ohio, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Illinois, California. You know, there's a ton of states. New Jersey, there's so many good wrestling states out there. Um, and I'm I'm proud to come from a state that's not some, you know, easy you know, just state that's not really known for wrestling. Cause there's, you know, you wrestle kids that come from, you know, different states that are state qualifiers, state placers that come from states that aren't nearly as competitive as Ohio. And you definitely can tell the difference. You know, you can see the difference in the quality, you know, it's tradition. Like we have a lot of really high level coaches, a lot of high level athletes that, that come from this state and that come back and plant roots and give back to the sport of wrestling, which is huge. Yeah. No, no, not trying to jump too far ahead here. Um, that's something that Mark had mentioned last time he visited and something that kind of stuck out with me, which, which is, uh, your, your inst instructors that we would call them or 
Yeah. Um, so so he came down from Chicago and he was saying like, oh God, you guys wrestle. I forgot all the about all the wrestling. And he was just talking about that. It's just everybody here's just tough and mm-hmm. everybody just grinds it out because they they kind of have that wrestler mentality. Right. Now, of course, it's, it's cold here in the winter, so it's easy to kind of get some of that grit. Yeah, there's not <laughs> shit to do. You know, it's it, yeah, it's it's part of that, man. You know, it you know the weather plays a big factor into it, like. You know, something like one of the Heath Pedigo who's a, he owns a gym in, in Illinois was like, yeah, dude, how tough can you be when it's 75 and sunny outside all year round? You yeah, know, you're going to go hang out with the girls at the beach. Yeah, like, dude, what are we you, doing don't, here? you don't know nothing about like, you know, it's fucking it's fucking below zero in Ohio. It's it's freezing ass cold. Like people think like global warming yeah, and they bitch about it, but they live in Florida. You know what I mean? Like up here, like it's nice. It's warm for maybe four or five months, maybe four months. And then it's cold again. It starts to get cold. Like we live in just a cold climate that's tough to to really do anything in it. The quality of life is not nearly as nice as someone who lives in 70 degree weather all the time. But guess what? Like it makes tough people for that, sure. That it does. Oh dude. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, wrestling, you know, you can do it year round cause it's inside. And, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. Slap off some sweats, yeah, turn yeah, on the dude, heater. Right. Let's go. You're fine, man. You know, but I, I, you know, I'm proud to be from Ohio. You know, people say like, "Oh, I'm stuck in Ohio" or whatever. Like, hey, the borders are open, people. Yeah, man, you, you can. can move. I see those stickers all the time on people's cars. You can move. It drives me nuts. The yeah. borders are yeah, open. You can move. Yeah, but it's you know, I'm proud to be from here. You know, I'm proud to be from a state that, you know, has a good tradition in the sport that I that I play or that you know that I participated in, and you know, it's it's awesome to go down to the state tournament and see these kids that come from, you know, all these different fucking schools I've never even heard of, these podunk-ass schools out in the middle of nowhere. You know, they have nothing. They live on farms. Like, in their wrestling rooms are, like, the size of this basement. They're tiny as shit, but they're tough kids, man. They don't know how to do nothing else but fight hard. You know, that's you know that's one thing that's really cool. You know, you, there's kids that come from all over the state of Ohio that, you know, maybe don't come from the best teams or the biggest teams, but, man, these kids can go. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> I love seeing that. I love seeing the underdog kids come out there. Maybe you don't expect them to do well. And then everybody loves the underdog. Oh yeah, man. I it's love, I always, always cheer for them because you know, because I, I was, you know what I mean? I was always the underdog going against a high level guy, you know, a high level kid. You know, and most of the time I never won, you know, but it's that feeling, you know, when everyone's like, come on, man, come on, come on, come on, you know, keep going, keep going. You're going to get it. And when people are cheering for you, it's unlike anything in the world. It's one of the fucking best things. It's one of the best experiences you ever have in your life when someone's just, you look over and your teammates are screaming for you to get up, you know, you know, escape, get that one point or go get that takedown or, you know, ride the guy out in overtime or whatever. And there's, there's nothing like that in the world. All right. So jumping back ahead here. So, so you're, you're going to college now you're in Walsh and you, you find jujitsu from your buddy. So you go in there, you get your ass kicked. Would you think you're going to do well? Cause you've wrestled since you were, Six or seven years old. So, what what is what is the next couple of years of training look like for you? So, you know, jujitsu. Like when I started in two thousand nine, like it was literally like the wild west. Like there, like people think like when they go into gyms nowadays that, like you walk into like our gym and I'm a Brazilian jujitsu black belt. You know what I mean? Like the first day that you walk into the gym, you see a jujitsu black belt. When I started jujitsu, there were maybe four or five guys in a class and. The head, like the head instructor Chad, was a blue belt at the time. So he was the highest rank in the gym. Was a blue belt, which so, is the second belt. Second level. belt. So you have white, blue, purple, brown, and then black. So the jujitsu was in its like at least in the state of Ohio, it was in, was in like its infancy. 
Like we didn't have. Yeah, because I think it was like booming like out in California. Oh and yeah, stuff from all the Gracies. Oh yeah, everybody and the UFC was and, and everything like that. Oh for sure. But that's just where it blew up. So right. it's, it's just it takes a long time for things to yeah. kind of head out like yeah. to, to the Midwest. Most people, let's be honest. I mean, like if you're moving from Brazil and you move to the states, where are you going to move? You're well, going to move to somewhere that's similar to where you're from. So yeah, like Brazil, Rio, Brazil, Haiti, and Cold. So they're not Diego, coming to Ohio. Yeah, they're going to move to California. They're going to move to Florida. They're not going to move to Northeast Ohio where it's, you know, there's a reason that they call us the Rust Belt. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things like, you know, when I, when I started, you know, my gi was like two sizes too big. I had this like giant, like unbleached manto gi that was huge. Um, but it's what we had, you know, and, and we would, uh, you know, a lot of my learning in the early stages of jujitsu was just trial and error. Like I just learned from, you know, failing over and over again, like how to get out of side control, how to escape the mount, yeah. how to escape. Because I mean, dare I say, you didn't even really have an instructor. You guys were all just kind of teaching. Yeah. Yourselves. We were all really just kind of learning together, you know, realistically, like, you know, Chad did the best job he could. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying he just to, doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right, yeah, exactly. Trying to get to seminars. He was he was looking for information just like all of us to come back and teach and help. You know what I mean? And it's, not like and you that, just, and it's not like you just popped on YouTube yeah, yeah. and watched a bunch of videos yeah. back then. And there's it's, nothing it wasn't, wasn't yeah. available. And there's nothing more that you can ask from an instructor than that. You know what I mean? It's, it's literally just like it wasn't like people weren't trying to acquire knowledge. We were all trying to get better, but it was just we were doing the best with what we had. Yeah. So – um. Yeah, like eventually jiu-jitsu started to get more popular and more popular. Some more guys were coming in, but we would only train two days a week in formal class, and then we would have open mat on Sunday. So we would train Monday, Wednesday, and then open mat on Sunday. We would train gi one day and no gi the other day, and then Sunday was the open mat. If you wanted to train no gi, you could or earn the gi. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those things like jiu-jitsu was in such an early stage that you were just really just trying. You didn't really know what you were doing. You were just kind of rolling around the ground, and eventually, like you would pick up on techniques. You know, guys would be like, "Hey, you know, let's 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 try to learn the X guard." I'm like, okay, and of course, you screw it up. You know, let's let's learn like you know, let's learn how to play half guard or let's learn how to play spider or you know whatever. Because all these guards were coming out and, and you know, Delahiva and all these things. Now like, hey, you're hearing about everything. Are you like reading yeah. about it online or? So we would watch like. Like we would either go to like a seminar and so like we would go to like, for example, like Tornado Guard was a huge guard that Roberto Cyborg played and he was hitting everyone with it in like, I don't know, 2010, 2011. Like he was probably doing it well before that, but that was like super hot back then. And um, I went to his seminar in Columbus and I was a white belt and that's what everyone asked him. They're like, you know, we want to learn Tornado Guard. And so as a white belt, I was learning probably one of the more advanced guards in jiu-jitsu. It, it allows you to – you pretty much are forced to invert yourself to try to pick your partner up with one leg. It's it's crazy position, but it's super effective if you're flexible and you have strong hips. Um, but, yeah, like going to seminars, um, going to, you know, open mats at, at different gyms and trying to just learn and, and do whatever you whatever you could. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, literally learning was – watching because youtube got big in like 2007 i remember okay and like 2006 2007 youtube was huge and you know people were uploading videos like matches you could watch old matches like i'm talking like from like adcc in like 2003 2001 you could watch matches from it and we would just try to mimic guys like marcelo 
you know, that's where we learned a lot of the X guard from, you know, watching his videos on, on YouTube. And, you know, if we wanted to watch spider guard, we try to watch Michael Lange cause that's like what he was known for. But for the most part, you're just, you're trying to mimic those motions, but it's hard when you don't have someone who's proficient with that particular position because you don't know if it's right or wrong. Cause it's hard to ask your partner, be like, Hey, can you, what's this feel like? Ah, I mean, you got me tied up. Is it supposed to feel like that? You have no idea. But, okay. when, you, but when you have someone like that's played X guard for 10 years to be like, no, don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this, you know, move in this direction, escape your hips this way, post here, frame here. You know, the guy's going to give you this reaction. This is what you're going to do. When you know those little intricacies, you can get better faster. But when you're for, if that's all you got, that's all you got. You just got to make it work. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, at some point you just have to throw yourself in those positions and see, like you said, trial and error. It's, it's not the best way to learn. No. It's an effective way to learn. Yeah. But it just takes a long damn time. It does. It really does. Like, you know, it, it was definitely frustrating. You know, a lot of the people that I started jiu-jitsu with don't even train jiu-jitsu anymore. I mean, most people probably don't really stick with it. I mean, it's it's got to be probably similar to the percentages from from wrestling, I would assume. Yeah. Because again, it's it's a tough thing, and most people don't want to stick no. through and grit it up. They say less than one percent of people that that do jujitsu make it to black belt. That's and yeah, that's not surprising at all. It's not, you know, and that's really like that. That's what kind of irritates me about jujitsu people is that if you're not if you don't do jujitsu, at least in my opinion, it, your goal should be jujitsu black belt. Like that to me was my goal when I started jiu-jitsu. If, if like, you don't do jiu-jitsu, it should be black belt. No, if you do if you okay. train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, okay, your goal should be to be a black belt. So what what do you say to the people then who want to come in and maybe be like, hey, I maybe I'm a police officer or I do something like this, or I just like just want to learn how to fight or do whatever. It doesn't matter. They come and say, like, I want to get to like a blue belt level to know that if I get into some sort of altercation on the streets or something, I can handle myself in a fight if it goes to the ground because uh, I've got a friend at the office who started jujitsu uh, about the same time that I started with with you and like earlier this year um, but he started for the first time so I had a couple like three month jump on him or whatever it was from the, the old place and uh, his, his goal is like not to like learn jujitsu to compete or do anything like that it's, it's just for um, self-defense or survival or anything like that so like, like we talk about all the time it's like He's not trying to learn like these tons of like crazy guards. For him, it's more about just control, move you around, be able to stand up and get away. Right. So it's more about that. So what do you say to a person like that? Who like that's kind of their goal coming in. They've probably never been in any type of physical altercation. That's the first thing I would tell them. Okay. Is number one is that people have a very preconceived notion of what they think combat is. Oh yeah, that's, what they that's think very common. Like, what they watching think people like, watch is. UFC, it's yeah. hilarious. People have a very preconceived notion of what they think Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is. So, like, when someone tells me, "Oh, you know, if I get to blue belt, I'll be able to handle myself against most people," well, maybe you might be able to, but there's always that occasion where you run into someone who's Jiu-jitsu will work on someone who's not trained if they weigh within maybe like, I don't know, 40 pounds of you, maybe. After that, physical size just is too much to deal with. Yeah. If they're physically strong, if they're tall or whatever the case may be, if they're powerful, you got problems. Was I think I heard it on a podcast. I've, I've Probably the Grappler Union podcast. I don't remember exactly. Um, but they were saying that so, somebody had said that every – Every 30 pounds, I think, that you outweigh somebody is basically like a, a belt level. Yeah. It's like literally is, yeah. is that much. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like years worth of experience. Yeah. That just, you can just take because off. if they outweigh you by that much. Yeah, dude. And I'll tell you straight up, like, I don't care what anybody says, like, you can take 
a guy who's a high level black belt, doesn't matter, a high level jujitsu black belt competitor, and put him with a guy who's an MMA fighter, who's tough on top, like a guy like Khabib, uh, a guy who's just really tough in the top position that's grindy, Ferguson, someone like that. And Carlson Grace has said the best, like you punch him in the face, they're, you know, that black belt, they turn into a brown belt. You punch him a couple more times. You know, they're a purple belt. A few more times, next thing you know, they're a white belt, and you're beating the shit out of them. That's a really good point. Because punches, elbows, you know, like just smothering someone takes a lot. You know, punches add a huge dynamic into grappling. You know, people like, oh, you know, I'm a blue belt. Yeah, but you're training jiu-jitsu, and no one's punching you. Like, you know, I never trained with strikes, but I'm not I'm not crazy to think like, oh, you know, if I can, I can go out there and defend myself against a lot of people. Yeah, I could do that. But there's always that, there's always that idea that, someone could hit you with an elbow or, you know, hit you with, you know, a good shot, just a good punch. And it's going to rattle you. You know what I mean? It's going to rattle your senses. It's going to, you know, there's that sense of, you know, you know, that fight or flight takes over. You have that anxiety or, you know, you, you have that adrenaline. But unfortunately it's it's not even just that. It's like people talk about the fight or flight thing and Mm -hmm. it's like, and that's a great idea, but there's, there's the third one that people always forget about and that's the freeze. Yeah. It's like most people will just freeze. Yeah. They don't know what to do. If you're trained, You'll either yeah. flee or fight, typically, right. but most people are just in they shock. Panic. Yeah, yeah they and, they, and they freeze up and don't move. It's it's weird to see, but you see it all the time in videos and everything else. Yeah. All right, so so if somebody's starting jujitsu, in your mind, it's just be in for the long haul. Yeah. Get your black belt. Yeah. So so then is it like do you move on to something else then, or you just just train forever? No, because you never like you're never going to master jujitsu ever. I don't give a shit how good you are. Like when you get your black belt in jujitsu, like your jujitsu journey is just beginning. And you're basically like, just a baby then. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not even, you know, people think like, oh, you know, you're jujitsu black belt. Like you know everything about jujitsu. No, I don't know shit about jujitsu. Like compared to a lot of people, like there are guys out there that they're inventing new guards and shit. Like, do I think I'm good at jujitsu? I think I'm better than the average black belt, but I know where I fall in the pecking order of jujitsu. Like I've trained with some of the best guys in the world that fuck me up on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? That make me feel like I've never grappled a day in my life. And I have a lot to learn about this sport still. People that I run into that are like, oh, they they don't want to learn or they don't like this or they don't feel they can learn from this person or whatever. You can learn from anybody yeah. if you're open to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things. And that's the mentality you have to have. You know, no matter who it is, you can still learn. The problem is, is that people, when they get to like blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, they don't want to expand their games anymore. They kind of shut themselves off. And that's why... They either quit or everyone passes them. And that's where like, you know, that ego takes over. Excuse me. Or they just get upset or, you know, whatever the case may be. But you have to continue to like I had a poster that hung on my wall when I was in high school. It was Kale Sanderson. And like, unless you continuously innovate, evolve, and, and I don't remember what the last one was, but um, you'll learn a quick and painful lesson from someone who has. <laughs> and and that's the truth in this sport. Jiu-Jitsu is nothing like when I started to what it is now. There's so many new positions, uh, transitions, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff that and guys not, are not doing. to mention just places to go train, oh, people yeah. to train with, videos yeah. to watch, seminars oh, to take, everything. Oh, everything. There's tournaments every weekend, the exposure that Jiu-Jitsu is getting. But the first... I, I hate to say, I mean, it's, it's probably this renaissance right now. It's probably oh, yeah. just now blowing up. Yeah. And it's great. It's great to see a sport that deserves the recognition that it that it should have had a long time ago. But but yeah, man, it's it's frustrating when when you have someone who, you know, doesn't feel they can learn anymore. And it's like, dude, 
like I've been training jiu-jitsu 11 years and there's still so much shit I have to learn. <laughs> but I'm, but it's exciting, you know? Because once you, when people think like, oh, I've mastered jiu-jitsu, okay, I want you to go roll with like JT Torres and tell me that you've mastered jiu-jitsu because he'll, he'll fucking show you real quick that you haven't mastered shit. He'll yeah. master you real quick. Well, it's funny you actually say JT. It's like, I was watching a video with uh, Chu Jitsu. I watched a lot of his videos. And uh, he's, he's a pr- pretty big, strong, athletic guy, wrestler. And he rolled with JT, brought him in for a mm-hmm. seminar. And they and they showed video of it. Yep. And, I mean, he couldn't do anything. Right. I mean, he just got his entire game yeah. shut down. Yeah. Literally couldn't pull off a move, couldn't right. pull off a sweep. There's no chance he was ever going to submit him. Yeah, but this is not going to happen. Like, there's, there's such different levels. And whereas, right. yes, they're both black belts. Right. They both teach. They're yeah. both really good. They they both compete and do and do pretty good as well. But the, the levels, like just watching, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> but, pro- but even props to and Chewy's real name, I believe, is Nick Alden. I believe that's his real name. We'll call him Chewy. Chewy. Props to him because how many people do you know will post a video? Who's he's a pretty popular figure in jujitsu. Oh yeah. How many people will post a video showing them getting their ass beat? Most won't because they're like they don't. It's that sense of like I need to seem invincible. I don't know. I mean, is that really the case in jujitsu? Because I think you get yes. Hum- but for, I, I will I th- tell you right now, for a lot of people, really yes, that surprises me because yeah. you get humbled so quickly. Oh yeah, it's like I had the exact same experience that you had going into your first class. Whereas you right. actually, you actually had a reason to think you were going to do well. Whereas right. I'm just like I'm big, I'm strong, I'm decently athletic. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to probably do well. I mean, I'm going to get caught, of course. I'm going right. to get submitted, but I literally got my dick kicked in by right. guys half literally half my size right there's there's that they always say it's the black belt mentality black belt entitlement people think that because like they're a black belt you know like they're not going to get beat by you know a purple belt you know they're not going to get beat by you know a brown you know they they can't and trust me man there's all <laughs> yeah, well, there's and come come yeah, to our gym yeah, come to the gym you're man. gonna get your ass beat by some of those guys yeah, oh yeah, yeah there's some killers at that gym oh yeah and, and it's one of those things like you know Training, I've you know, like I said, I've I've had the privilege of training with some of the best guys in the world, and they they will tell you like, no, they haven't mastered jujitsu, and but they're fucking Pan Am gold medalists, world champions, you know, yeah, like Brazilian national champions. These there, guys, there might be like two yeah. people in the world better than them ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's one of those things like there's levels to black belt. You know, there's white black, blue black, purple black, brown black. Black, black. Your black, black guys. Those are those are your freaking world champions, the guys that are untouchable, the dudes that are, that win ADCC, the guys that win the Brasileiros, they win the Pans, the Euros. Those dudes are the best. They're the best in the world. You know, your brown blacks. Those are your guys that win like the local. I think it might be like the IBJJF circuits. Like, no, obviously that's not like an actual like belt structure, no, right? It's it's no. more of just those are the levels that we like, use yeah, within like, black. Yeah, you are a black belt, but yeah, there's levels to black. You're belt. really a white belt black belt. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly. not a black belt black. So belt. like a white black to me would be someone who who just is like a hobbyist. Like you just train and you enjoy jujitsu and you're you've never really competed at all. You just kind of train and enjoy it and you never really have tested your skills. To me, you're a white black. Do you see any problems with that? Like a great example is like me, for, for example, like because I'm, I'm older, like I've competed most of my life. And I was actually talking about to Ben about this on Wednesday at the open mat. You know, it's like I don't really want to see I don't want to say I don't, I don't see myself dedicating all of my time into jujitsu like I did, like my weightlifting career right. for the last six years and putting right. everything off to, to train, you know, four or five times a week and then nutri- right. like do the nutrition stuff and and um and go go to the gym and do weight training and do all that kind of stuff just for jujitsu to, to compete. It's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a new challenge. It's it's difficult, which which is interesting in, in and of itself. It's like, but do I really want to put all that effort in? It's like, do I really want do I really want to do that at this point in my life? Because again, I've done that for the last six years, right? Chasing my lifting career. Whereas now, it's like, I like to go ride my mountain bike. I want to go yeah. play some volleyball. I want to go play some golf or hang out with my buddies and right. do that kind of stuff. All the things that I've kind of put off, right? To to focus on what I wanted. No, I don't think there's a problem with people that don't have the mentality because not everyone's the same. Like yeah. I know not everyone's like me, and I get that. You know what I mean? Like I am, I know that I'm never going to be a world champion, you know, but I want to be the best grappler that I possibly can be. The thing that I run into with a lot of people that what I would consider to be like white black belts, guys that are, you know, never competed, never really been in that situation. They never really got to test their skills. The main problem that you see with them is they don't really have a sense of understanding of like certain techniques or certain, they're not really up to date with jujitsu. And what I mean by up to date is like they're not really hip to like the new school style of training. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, what do you mean by that? So like techniques that are coming out, you know, like for example, like I I try to stay as up to date as possible with jiu-jitsu. So like when the Barambolo came out, I wanted to learn the Barambolo. I wanted to learn like the Kiss of the Dragon and I wanted to, you know, be able to, you know, play like any any new guard that really came out, like I want like lapel guard, worm guard, you know, I wanted to learn those guards because they seem to be so effective. A lot of like kind of, I don't want to say old school black belts because that's not the case. There are, there are guys that aren't super like into the jujitsu scene that are black belts. Like they don't keep up with anything and their techniques are, I don't want to say outdated, but. But isn't there also something to be said about if you focus on the basics and you do them better than anyone, yep. you can just pull them off Absolutely. when you need to. Like Shanji Hibero is a great definition of that. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's not the most basic guy like he definitely has some high level technique but overall like his body positioning is is amazing like his passing is is like literally i've heard stories like it's like a bulldozer being on tape <laughs> coming you know but like you know his guard his guard is very you know it's hard it's one of the hardest guards to pass he's only ever had his guard pass maybe a couple times in competition as a black belt you know he has great foundation you know what i mean then we go back to that you know having a solid foundation you can build a strong structure on top of it but if it's weak it'll fall but you know, in, in my opinion, I, I truly believe that solid foundation is definitely the most important. Being able to escape the – and that's like, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what does it take for me to be a blue belt? And I tell them, like, realistically, I need to be able to put you in any position in jujitsu, and you can intelligently explain to me how to either escape, advance, or submit based upon what position you're in. I, I can't be like, okay, well – you know, put me in side control. Well, where's that? Okay, well, you're not a blue belt then. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But if I can realistically put you in a position and you can explain to me either how to get out or like advance either. So if I'm in the side control, how do I mount from here? If I'm on the back, how do I escape and get to the top position? This is how I do it. Yeah. So, you know, that's the struggle that you have. But, you know, realistically for a lot of guys, you know, the solid, the guys are the best in the world. They have amazingly good basics. They rarely get their guards passed. They they rarely get mounted. They rarely get their backs taken. Why? Because they probably trained in an environment where everyone in that gym was working to be a world champion. So guys were on their backs constantly. Guys mounted them constantly. Guys passed their guards constantly. Like people ask me like, how do you never get your guard passed that often anymore? I'm like, because I got my guard passed a ton when I was a white belt, blue belt, purple belt. I yeah. got passed constantly. And then you learn... You know what I mean? But if I trained every day with like Lucas Lepree, he would pass my guard every single day like it was nothing. You know what I mean? I, trust me, I know. I've got to train with him. You know, JT, <laughs> same thing. Clark Gracie, same thing. You know, it's there's levels to the game. You know what I mean? So it's it's definitely 
the basics is definitely the most important. People that negate the basics, you can tell. You 110% can tell. Yeah. They don't have like good guard retention. You know what I mean? You put them in a position and they just start to flail or freak out and panic or they try to muscle out of the position or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely the most frustrating, you know, aspect of jujitsu, I think, is when people feel that they don't have anything else to learn. They're just kind of like, especially as a black belt. Why I think that's, I think anything in life, I mean, I think that's one of the most important things to realize is like, if you think you know everything about yeah. anything, like that's a, probably a good sign you don't know shit. Yeah. You know, more than likely, you probably fucking suck. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? More than likely, you probably suck at what you do. You just think you're good at it. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've had people like to tell me like, oh, you're, you're smart. And I'm like, no, no, stop. It's like, I know I'm a dumbass. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I know I, I, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts so I can re- regurgitate like a lot right. of facts and little things here and they're like, oh my God, you're so smart. And I'm like, no, I can oh, just yeah. remember some shit. Like, right. I'm a dumbass. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'll be the first one to admit it. Like, my favorite thing when people say, like, oh, you're a jiu-jitsu black belt. Like, you're really good at, you know, are you good at jiu-jitsu? Well, compared to what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Am I good compared to a fucking black belt world champion? No. <laughs> Do I think I'm better than the average black belt? Yeah. You're pretty good compared to anybody I've ever seen in person. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, oh, you're, you're a jiu-jitsu black belt. You know, you know a lot about jiu-jitsu. Uh, I, know an, I know a lot. But I'll tell you, like compared to certain people that are, you know, the the elite level guys, they're they're just on a different level that most people will never understand. Yeah, and that's and that's fine because like there there are just freak athletes yeah. out there. It's same as like, like people making the same kind of assumption, like oh, you played high school football, you could go to college. Like no, 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 no. Like the 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 level that to, right. to be like a college football player is like a job. Like do you guys remember like the best football player on your team that you, know, you couldn't touch like in your best day ever? Like like he's the worst person on the other team. Yeah, you know, and then it's like he'll it's, move it's, up somewhere where he's the little fish in a big pond. Yeah, and it, it's the same jump uh, up to the, like the next level, going to the pros and all that kind of stuff. So there's levels to anything. All right, so now obviously, like we've gone, jumped a little bit ahead of ourselves here, I think, and it wasn't like a meteoric rise from your first day into the gym, getting your ass kicked, and realize, oh shit, I need to learn this. Holy hell! And it's not like 11 years, bada bing, bada boom, like straight ahead, everything's amazing, right. and now you're a black belt, like right. t- teaching with your own academy. So, like, what are what are some of the big struggles you had, kind of along the way, and were there any when there any times where you even thought about quitting? Oh yeah, like you know, those are things that run through your mind a lot. Like, you know, when you you hit like jujitsu goes in like there's like peaks and valleys that you go through, and there's plateaus that you go through where your game will get better, and then you feel like you're not getting any better, and then you maybe feel like you're getting worse, and then something happens and you're going back up and down and the ups and downs of jiu-jitsu suck. And then hopefully it's like the stock market. Hopefully you're trending upward overall. Right. Overall you're rising. There's lots of ups and downs. Right. And that's the thing, man. Like, you know, you go through those, you go through those a lot at blue belt, blue belt, purple belt. You go through those hard. And like, you know, when I got, you know, your, your belts mean so much. You like, you got my blue belt. Um, you know, it was one of the coolest things, you know, in my life. And, you know, I got my purple belt and, you know, eventually, like... Were you still at East Coast and you got those? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when uh, when the owner of East Coast Martial Arts, Mr. Hyman, when he died, like, that, that like, that's not something that I even, like, am okay with, like, to this day. You know what I mean? Like, it's something that I... I, I never... I never truly, like, accepted it that a guy who did a lot for me and taught me, like, how to be a martial artist, both, like, on and off the mat and be a good person and good training partner and a guy that did so much for me, like when he 
passed away, like that crushed me. And I never talked to anybody about that. Like in literally like the only people, the only person really knows about that is like my wife, you know, that how hard that like devastated me. Like it was bad. Like I wanted, I didn't even like know what to do with myself. I mean, like, he's, I, he's a very important oh, yeah. figure in your yeah. life. I mean, he was like my martial arts dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a guy that, you know, was very hard on me, very stern with me, but at the same time, like wanted nothing but the best for me in my life and would have done anything for me. And it would be, the world would be a much better place if people like him were in it, you know? And, you know, when he passed away, it like, I, I don't know. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do jujitsu anymore. I wanted to quit because I, I don't know what it was. It was just like a mental block that I had, you know, it was like, I was, were so, you a purple belt? At the yeah. Time? I was so used to seeing him all the time. Um, and I just, I don't know. It, it was just something that I couldn't really, couldn't really get over. It was like a big hump in my life that I just couldn't get up, you know, couldn't get through. And, um, did, did you stop going to the gym during that time? I did for a little while. Like I would just kind of show up every now and again and train and spar. Kind of go through the, the motions. Yeah. And then, um, it actually took who's my instructor now, Mark. I, I ended up meeting him, uh, when I was a blue belt and he ended up not teaching at, he ended up not taking over East coast in terms of the affiliation until I was, uh, a purple belt. And, um, he called me a 22 year old piece of shit, waste of talent, alcoholic. And I'll never forget it. So he's sugarcoating everything. Yeah. Obviously. He's like, you're, you're a 22 year old piece of shit, waste of talent, alcoholic. And that's not something I've ever forgotten. And it's like one of the most important things that someone's ever said to me. Cause he's like, you could be good at this, but you just, you just don't give a shit anymore. And I'm not going to waste my time. I don't waste my time with people that quit. I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't like quitters. And that like, it didn't, I wasn't angry at him. I was angry just with myself because I pissed away so much time being upset, you know, being upset at everything, you know, like you're upset at the world. you you just don't know why. How long do you think, um, the, almost a year. Oh, it, was, it took you a whole year. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Probably a year. And it's not something that I've even like, it's still, you know, it's still one of those things like, when I have problems or, you know, I get upset at something, it's, it's like, I wish I, I could still call Mr. Hyman because he would help me, you know, he would give me advice and I don't have that anymore. Okay. So you, you guys were tight out, even yeah. outside the gym, obviously. Oh man. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We were tight, man. I talked to him all the time. Is it, know? is it fair to say that you dealt with his death by drinking and staying away from the gym? Cause it reminded you of him and everything like that. Um, or was it just you kind of lost your drive? Because- yeah, yeah. I think it was just kind of like I I just felt sorry for myself, and it wasn't something that like any anyone could have helped me with or anyone. You know, it was just me being a twenty two year old, twenty three year old kid. You know what I mean? And you know when he, you know that's when he got sick. You know he died I think when I was twenty five, and I didn't. You know when he was you know going through everything and. You know, it it really just, it didn't, I don't know. I I just, it was something that I couldn't put my head around at the time. You know, when he said he was sick, you know, he's like, you know, I have cancer. I have stage four colon cancer. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, it doesn't matter. I was like, he's as strong as you'd ever been in my life. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen to you. And to somebody, it's like, if you haven't dealt with that a lot in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't realize how serious that can be. You don't realize how important people are until they're gone. That's usually the case, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we we all take for granted things. I mean, oh, everything yeah. in our lives. It is not not even just people. It's anything. It, 
Like we we all think it's going to be there forever. And guess what? It's not. Right. You know, like we we have a very small time like on this planet in this realm. It's like make the most of it. Do do what you want to do. Right. So you know, back to you know, back to the kind of the come up. It was, you know. So 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 Mark called you out basically. Yeah, Mark called me out, and it's probably exactly what you needed. Knowing your personality, Mark Mark has always been very hard on me. Always. Now now. Uh, I don't think we've said like what's 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 Mark's name? Mark Mark Vives. He owns New Breed Training Center in Chicago, Illinois. So anyone listens to this, if you're ever in Chicago, if you live in Chicago, uh, his gym is in Niles, Illinois. Go and train. You'll love it. Yeah, super good guy. Super good guy. He'll beat your ass. Oh yeah, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> but Mark has always been super super hard on me ever since the day that like we first trained together. Like he would beat the shit out of me. He'd pass my guard, mount me, choke me, crucifix me, just destroy me on the mat and like wouldn't wouldn't be nice about it you know what i mean like he would beat my ass up and down the gym and literally would like stand over me and be like you need to get better because you fucking suck and most people can't take that no but i needed that that like, would force I, most yeah. people to quit but i need that like he knew how like he's a, such a good coach because he knows he knew me you know that you can't do that with everybody but i needed well, that. that's that's also part of being a good coach yeah. is understanding Oh, the different personalities, yeah. who responds to what. Yeah. Who responds you know, to getting yelled at? Who yeah. responds to, like, more motivation? Yeah. Who, you know, it's who, one of those who things. needs you to, like, hey, buddy, I'm going to slap mm-hmm. on the ass and pick him up? And who needs mm-hmm. you to yeah. beat him up and down the mats yeah. and say, you suck. Yeah, you suck. Get better. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, for a lot of people, they probably wouldn't do real well with that. But. It's not everyone's cup of tea, for sure. No. No. But when it's needed, yeah. it, it's really needed. But that's why, like, everyone everyone hearts laughs is like, Mark and I are pretty much the same person, just Mark's Asian. Uh, <laughs> but we are, man. Like, we, you know, we definitely are cut from the same cloth, like, in terms of our personalities. And, you know, I think that I'm fortunate to have met a guy like that because who knows where I would be if I didn't have him, you know. Yeah, imagine if that spiral would have happened for two or three yeah, or four he, years. He you said, never would have got yeah, back into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, you just said you're fucking out. You yeah, know? like, oh, like, with your like shit. one year is a, is a long time to pretty much take off and still get back in. Yeah. I mean, to take two or three or even four. Yeah. And even in that year, like, I would train, but I would only train, like, once a week. Yeah, but like you said, you were kind yeah. of just going I was, through the motions. Yeah, I was just kind of out you, of you it. You were just there. I would, yeah, exactly. I was just there. I wasn't really working to get better. I was just kind of like... I'm just here. It was like the habit of you yeah. already kind of built. So it's like, yeah. oh, I guess I'll go. Yeah. And it's it sucks even because that's like the type of mentality that I, that I don't want in my gym. You know, I don't want people that are just there to, to hang out. I want people that are there to get good at jujitsu. But, you know, it's looking looking back on it, that's how I was. You know, and it, it gives you that motivation to not have that type of, of environment in your academy because you see how toxic toxic it is. You know what I mean? Because like, you just have guys there that are – you know, like me, I would just show up and just kind of hang out and spar a little bit and dick off and then just leave. You know, yeah. what's the point? You know, I'm not helping anybody get better by doing that. I'm not bettering somebody in, in, that's coming here, like, wanting to get better. Because I remember, like, when I started jiu if somebody did that with me, I wouldn't want to train with them. And then I became that, that person, and I didn't like that. Yeah. I wanted to – I wanted to – I needed, like, a change. And Mark kind of kicking me in the ass, being like, hey, dude, you need to, like – get back into this and, 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 and put your heart back in jujitsu. And it wasn't, it wasn't something that was like hard for me to get back into. It was just kind of like, it wasn't a gradual thing. I just was kind of like, all right, like I'm just, it's training hard one day and then train hard the next day and the next and the next and train hard like that for two weeks. And the next thing you know, you're just, you're going again. It wasn't like something I had to like sit down and have a moment with myself. Like, are you going to give up jujitsu? I was never going to quit jujitsu. 
You know what I mean? Like you may say in your head, like, do I really want to do this anymore? And then you'd fucking slap yourself and you're like, yeah, like you're going to continue to do this. I knew from a very young age that jujitsu was going to be what I wanted to do with my life. So it was just more or less, you're just getting through that tough time. Yeah. And it kind of took Mark to kind of snap it out of you and get right. you back into training hard right. again. Right. And you, you, were, you were never like on your way out or trying no, to leave. No. I never was going to walk away from jujitsu. Okay. I knew that. But uh, like, you know, going to your question, like some of the hardships that you face are like, you know, of course, injuries and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, any kind of sports, you're going to have yeah. some kind of injuries. People give me shit all the time. Like, oh, well, you're always hurt of this and that. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not like, I don't like with my lifting career. Like I'm not lifting to try to be healthy. Like right. I was, I was lifting to be competitive. Yeah, I want to pick up heavy shit. And, and I was, I was trying to be a master's world champion. That right. was my goal. And I realized after a couple of years I wasn't going to get there. Right. So then it was just, okay, well, how far can I get? Yeah. Can I even make it to Worlds? Can I qualify? I don't care if I get last place. I want to I want to qualify and go. I want to say that I that I went as far as I could, you know? I mean, yeah. like it is what it is. And granted, I was plagued with injuries. I'm still dealing with some of those injuries now. And it's like, it's just, it's part of it. It's going to happen. But I also have a friend who fucking threw out his back carrying salt downstairs to his basement. It's like, shit, shit happens. And fucking 40-pound bags are heavy, man. <laughs> that's why. That's why. I get that shit delivered. They carry it for me. I'm like, go ahead, boys. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> but yeah, like the the one thing I definitely want to want to say on this is you know the the hardest probably the hardest thing I've gone through in jujitsu, and this is for this is advice for anyone who listens to this that has that wants to do something you know with their life wants to you know have a certain career path or whatever it is you want to do with your life is the people that tell you that you can't do it like there are plenty of people that I said like hey I want to do jujitsu for a living they just go. <laughs> My own fucking parents are like, that's not a job. Which is weird because like they're going to supposedly be the most loving, supportive people in the world. Yeah. And they're trying to and do what they think is best for yeah. you. And they're looking out for you. You know what I mean? Like they're like, you know, you went to school, you have a, you know, a degree, you know, you need to do that. And I was like, this is not where my heart's at. You know, my mom now, my mom to this day loves that I teach you. She loves it now because she's like, you're so happy. You do what you love every day. But in that time, it's kind of like their parents, you know, they treat you like you're seven and you're like, well, but it's, not, it's not even just that they want you to succeed. They right. want the best for you. Right. And they can't see where it's going to take right. you. So when people tell you that you can't do something, you know, to give up jujitsu or give up whatever it is you like to do in your life, you know, you have to find out, but you have to be honest with yourself. That's the number one thing is like, what do you really love? People are like, well, you know, I like fitness or I like working on cars. Okay, now, what do you love? Like, what do you think about 24-7, like, all the time? What do you what do you want to be doing? And people will say, like, some weird shit. You know what I mean? they be like, I don't know. Like, they could say, uh, working on cars or I would rather be, um, you know, doing something, you know, lifting weights or, you know, whatever it is, cutting hair. I, I don't fucking know. But my point is, is that, okay, if you're at least honest with yourself in that, you should probably move in that direction because you'll be happy. Money is something that's never motivated me. I know plenty of people that have jobs that only have those jobs because they make good money. And if that's what, if they don't care what they do, then do do it. You know what I mean? That's fine. Jiu-jitsu for but that, me. But that's also fine and dandy until you got to pay rent. I mean, right. So it's like you still got to make enough money to, yeah. to, to live. Yeah. And if you can't do that, if you but, can't make a living doing yeah. that, then yeah. you, you could be happy and fine, but you're going to be homeless. Yeah, but... You have to understand that I think for a lot of people, as long as if you do something, I believe that if you truly fucking love what you do, people will see that and they'll want to either give you their business or be a part of it somehow. Whereas I've met plenty of people that, excuse me, that do jujitsu as like a side hustle. 
they don't love jujitsu. They just do it because they want to teach or whatever. But you can tell for sure. At least what I'll tell you is that if people tell you like you can't, you're never going to do this. You're never going to make enough money. This is something that this isn't a job. This is something that you do on the side or whatever. The biggest motivating factor for that is to prove them wrong, is to literally chase your dreams, do what you love. And if you do that, people say like, oh, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. That's bullshit. You're still going to work really hard. Yeah, you're you're going to work all kinds of stuff. But you know what? Like, it's one of those things like you're, you're going to be, you're going to be so much happier because every single day, like I get to fucking wake up and do jujitsu every single day. I'm blessed. Like I, my, my body has decently held up. Well, I'm probably only going to be able to spar hard for maybe another like three or four years, like real hard. And then I'll have to start to tone it down. And I know that I know my body is only going to take so much. I'm only 30 years old. I'm not old, but I've been in sports my whole life beating the shit out of myself. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 11 years. You know what I mean? Like my body isn't exactly the youngest, but yeah, you know, I, I understand that. But I, I know that every single day that I wake up and I get to get out of bed and like, yeah, my back hurts, my fucking shoulders, my knees crack like crazy. But guess what? I get to go out on the mat and I get to share the mat with some amazing people. And when I think when, when honestly, when you get to do that, you know, whatever it is you're doing, when people see that you truly love it, they'll want to be a part of it because it's, it's almost like, it's like magnetic. There's something about people that love what they do. They have like a charisma about them that people just love. And, you know, I, I, it's going to be hard for sure because you're going a non-traditional route. Like the traditional thing is, you know, you go to college, you get a degree and you be, you know, if you get an account, you know, become an accountant, you become a lawyer, you become a doctor, you become a nurse, you go a teacher, you become whatever, a manager of a business, whatever. And, Jiu-jitsu is not something that's super popular in the sense of like for most people for a business. So it's it's definitely one of the hardest things to do is is take that leap and and follow your dreams and open up a business or or go a different career path or whatever it is. Because I hate when people are like, I fucking hate my job. You know, I hate what I do. Okay. Well then what are you doing to fix it? You know, what are you doing to change your life? I hate people that gripe about that shit. They're like, I hate my job. Okay. Well, do you go to school at night to to get a different degree to move to a different field? Well, no. Are you trying to move up through management to up to a different position? Well, no. Okay. Well, then, then shut the fuck up because you're not you doing anything. You're about, not yeah. fucking changing at anything. You're just you're you're being a miserable person because you're not actually actively trying to change your situation. You're just stuck and you're just mad because you know I get it. You know you may be in a shitty position for couple years. I get that. But go to fucking night school for two years. And then in in two years, you can get a fucking degree or whatever. And you can go get a different job and maybe do something else that you like. But don't sit and complain because you don't have something, you know, because number one, that's a thing for a lot of people is they're just fucking lazy. Yeah. They're just fucking lazy. They don't, they don't want to do something that's, that's hard or difficult or whatever. They want everything given to them. Yeah. Some people. Yeah. A lot of them. But honestly, it's one of those things like if you're if you're if you truly love something, you'll and you want to make it work, you'll make it work. You just have to be willing to deal with setback. So like for us, COVID-19, you have to be willing to deal with setback. You have to be willing to deal with negative people. Um, you're going to have fucking problems always. Um, owning a business is not easy. It's stress 24 seven. It's like dealing with a baby that never grows up. But. Like I said, I, I truly get to train every single day. 
and I wouldn't trade it for fucking nothing. You people are like, oh, dude, if you, you know, is there an amount of money I could pay you to never do jujitsu again? Um, probably, but you ain't got that much. It's gonna be a, you don't have that. It's gonna number. be a big fucking number, <laughs> man. You don't have enough. All right, so let's kind of uh, wrap up here the uh, the end of your journey. So so Mark kind of kicked your ass at purple belt when yeah. you were, you were kind of. Just off to the side, didn't quite know what to do, and knew you weren't going to quit, but didn't know how to push through. Right. So, so Mark kind of got that out of you, pushed you through. Uh, you've been training with him ever since. Yep. Um, now, now, since he's in Chicago, how often do you get to actually train with him? We actually get to kick your ass. Or- so that was like a really cool part about the training was, you know, I would only get to train with Mark maybe, I don't know, two times a year, you know, two, three times a year. If I he kind of come down. Yeah, he would come down and do a workshop, do a seminar or whatever, and um, – it was, it was one of those things like, uh, I was training with him one time and I ended up like, maybe, I don't even remember, like I like pass his guard or like I got him to turtle and I got on his back and I don't even think I got the hooks in. But in that moment, like something clicked in my head, like, okay, like I'm not scared of you anymore. I have nothing but respect for the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would do anything for him. If he killed someone, I'd hide the body. You know what I mean? Type shit. But well, don't say that in. On the this, podcast. This is now recorded forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's out there. Right? It's Damn out it. there, yeah. Mark, don't shoot anybody. But yeah, but it's one of those things like I wasn't scared of him anymore. So we can spar hard and like I started slowly but surely like he would visit and I would be able to like sweep him. And then I would be able to pass the guard or I would be able to to get on the back or, you know, something I could, you know, get win a transition or whatever. And it was those little battles. I couldn't do that every time. You know what I mean? Like he would come beat my ass and I'd be like, okay, the next time that he shows up, he's not going to crucifix me. I am not going to let him get me in his best position, which is the crucifix. I was like, he's not going to put me in that position. And he, and he didn't. I mean, he would try and I would try to, like I would be able to defend. And maybe that's the only thing I could do. You know what I mean? But it's those little, little battles. That's still a huge thing. Yeah. It's a huge thing for me, you know, because it shows him that I'm learning. That I'm processing jujitsu, but I'm processing it as we're as we're sparring. Like yeah. that's a big thing for a lot of grapplers is, you know, can can you get into a position, you know, your best spot, you know, let's say a guy pulls guard on you and he's on the bottom and you're above him. It's like, okay, you know, I'm gonna try to get to my number one pass. And he and he shuts it down. You can't get it. Well, are you gonna keep going there and forcing through it and not get it? Or are you gonna be able to divert and move to a different pass to see if that works? Like you're able to process jujitsu quickly to make adjustments on the fly. Like that's what separates most grapplers is not, you know, you see guys that always try to do the same pass or the same sweep, but if it's not there, you can't get it. It's just not going to work. You know, maybe they pull guard and they're like, I'm only going to try to go for a triangle choke or I'm only going to go for an arm bar. Well, if the guy's not giving you that, you, you can't go for it. Like you could get your guard pass. You could get put to the turtle, you know, whatever. Um, so that was one thing that I tried to show him was that I'm learning as we're fighting. Like I'm, I'm processing what he's doing. So he would come back um, periodically and I would try to do that with him. I ended up moving to Chicago uh, with him for about two and a half months, three months. And I lived in his spare bedroom and I slept on like a little mat that was probably a little bit thicker than, than, you know, what we have at the gym. So like inch and a half, two inches thick. Yeah. I slept on a mat on the floor. Uh, in his spare bedroom. Was it just to be there close to him to learn or? Yeah, it was just to get away. Okay. You know, it was to get away and, and to train for the Chicago Open. And, and, you know, it was one of those things like it was. Which that's a pretty it, big like meet. Yeah, yeah. It's what I needed because, 
you know, in that environment, I had even higher level training partners, guys that were, you know, they're, I mean, you could have walked into that gym. There could have been like three or four black belts on the floor at one time. You know what I mean? And, and they're very good. They're good wrestlers. They have good passing. They have good pressure. So it was very good. I ended up living in with him, like I said, for like two, three months. And like, you, you don't forget shit like that. Like when people do those things for you, like that's not something that I would forget. And that means a lot to me. Like a guy opened up his door to his home and he has a wife. He has three kids. You know what I mean? This isn't like, you know, he lived by himself. Like yeah, he was like, some like bachelor. it's a bachelor pad. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, come yeah, 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 just hang out wherever. you and me. Let's talk to you yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I slept, in, I slept in a spare bedroom on the floor pretty much. And it was the freaking best two, best two and a half, three months of my life because I had nothing to do but train every fucking day, two times a day, three times a day, every day except Sunday. He wouldn't let me train on Sunday. We would go to the pool and, and like swim or dick around or do whatever. But I would wake up. We would go to the gym. I would train 10 a.m. He would give me money. I would walk to, to Jimmy John's. We would get I would get him a sub or whatever, and I'd walk back. I would train from 10 to 11 or like 10 to noon in the fundamentals class with Colin. And then I would train four to five fundamentals again, and then six to eight competition. So sometimes I would train three times a day and it was fucking awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. Like it was the best time of my life because it's all I had to do was worry about jujitsu. And that's why I won the open. You know what I mean? Because I had nothing else to worry about. You know what I mean? And I, I train. I had great training partners around me that helped push me and stuff like that. And you know, it's it's one of those things like when when you're so focused on a goal. Because I had gotten third twice before that at blue belt and at purple, the same belt that I ended up winning it at. And it's one of those things like, you know, that's nothing. You know, winning the IBJJF as a purple belt is may seem like a huge accomplishment at the time because it's what you work for. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it means nothing compared to most of the tournaments that are out there. But at that time, it, but still, it, it, it did a lot for me. It's a big local. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Here. It was cool. And, you know, being able to, to train out there, um, you know, was definitely an eye opening experience for sure because of how hard they train. You know, at Newbreed, I'm telling you, like, if you go in there, like, it's it's just like us. You know what I mean? There's days where it's easier, where it's it's fundamentals and, and yeah. you're learning. But, but it's, it's meant to be so you can learn. Yeah, but when DMX comes on the radio, you better be ready to fight because it's <laughs> fucking on, man. It, it's it's war. And that's why Mark loves coming here to train with us is because of that. You know, it's that same mentality. You know, we work hard. We train hard. You know, we drill hard. But it's we, – we get better as a team. But ended up uh, – Mark ended up driving actually. Uh, so to drive to Chicago from where we live is about six hour drive. Depends on what time you hit the Chicago Skyway, but it's about six hours. He drove six hours to and six hours back. So 12 hour trip just to give me my brown belt. Stayed for like an hour and a half, went eight, and then drove back home. Now, where were you training at the time? Still at East Coast? Still at East Coast. Okay. Yeah. So Mark ended up taking over um, the affiliation, the affiliation at East Coast um, when I was a purple belt. And, um, he promoted me to Brown and, uh, that was like, Brown belt is scary, you know, because you're like, holy shit, you know, I'm one step away from black belt. I'm not a black belt. You know, I'm not ready. They say like your Brown belt is like a tune up belt, you know, between purple and Brown. Like the moves, like the moves that get you to purple, get you to black, you know, you just got to sharpen them. So I was sharpening the tools. I just needed to get them a little bit sharper. And, uh, I, um, Went to Chicago because Mark called me and was like, hey, you know, I'm going to promote your, your, you know, my buddy Osher. He's like, you know, I'm going to promote him to Black Belt. I want you to be here. And I was like, all right. So I drove there, 
with my wife, with my, my fiance at the time. And, um, I think it was my fiance. I don't know if we were married just yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, we might've been married. Either we were getting married or we were just married. And, um, we, uh, we got to Chicago and, um, you know, anytime I get there, you know, Mark always takes us to like dinner and stuff like that. We go out for drinks and, you know, we went to the bell promotion. Dude, there were pff, 200 people in there, you know, I mean, it's packed back, you know, like sardines. There was probably 20 black belts on the floor and, uh, the brown belts all are on the front. The purple belts are on in the middle and the blues and the whites are in the back. And, um, he's like, he's like, you know, let's give out another black belt. And I was like, oh, it's, it's my buddy Asher. And he's like, you know, this guy, if you don't know him, he's an asshole. And I was like, yep, it's Asher. <laughs> I was like, nailed it. <laughs> he, he, uh, he's like, he's like Shannon. And I was like, I was looking at Asher and he called me. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what the hell did you just say? And dude, it was crazy, man. Everybody starts pounding the mass and starts pushing you and, you know, being, you know, getting your jiu-jitsu black belt is really, truly like a special thing, but you know, it's, it's crazy. But like going through the, through the journey of jujitsu, you know, when you get your black belt, like I said, you know, your journey in jujitsu just begins like you, there's still so much for you to learn both on and off the mat. And you know, that's, you know, well, it's kind of like you said, like you have a lot of the fundamentals now. Yeah. It's about let's sharpen them. Yeah. And then for mm-hmm. you at the moment, it's obviously about let's. Mm-hmm. Let's put that into the next generation. You can always get better. Yeah. You can always get better. And the way that you know is like, you know, for me, I know my students are my students are, are challenging me hard. They're not like I can't just destroy them. And that's a problem. I mean, if you're in a gym and you're an instructor, I mean, there's, of course, going to be like, like JT's going to be able to probably destroy everyone at his gym because he's just another level. That, that's going to happen to yeah. all, all but right. like three people in the world. Right, I mean, right, right. What are you going to do about that? Whereas like, you know. With me, like I'm pushing them. I've tried. I've tried to teach them everything that I know, and they push me hard, hard. Like they pass my guard. They make me turtle. They catch me in submissions. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's hard for me to pass their guards. And, I, and to me, I'm doing my job by doing that. You know, a lot of guys, like you know, they don't like to show certain techniques, or they, you know, they have an ego about themselves. They have to be the best guy in the gym. And it's like, dude, like for what? You know, like make, if you make other people around you good, you'll, you will personally get better because of it. If you don't help people get better, you're, it's physically impossible for you to get better if you don't help others around you. If you're the best guy, you have to make those people around you better or it's impossible to get better. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, man. Like, that's like a huge lesson that I learned being a black belt, you know, is just putting all of my knowledge that I have into everyone that comes to the door, trying to help them, you know, not only with the basics, but with the higher level techniques. You know, guys ask all the time, you know, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And be like, dude, if it's something I don't know, it'd be like, hey, dude, I don't know. But let's figure it out. Yeah. Let's find out together. Yeah, let's, let's figure this position out. All right. So Mark gave you your black belt. How long was it then until you opened up your, your academy, True Art? I had my black belt for about a year. I had my jiu-jitsu black belt. I was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt for about one year. And then I decided to open up. True or Brazilian it's something you, you knew you already wanted to do. It's, it's something yeah. you already kind of had it in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was one of those things like, I think through competing a lot, training at a bunch of different gyms, teaching at a bunch of different gyms, you build up a name for yourself. People kind of know who you are. And it helps because, you know, the relationships that you make, the you know, through either your competition or when people come and they train with you and they're like, Oh dude, how do you do this? You know, I heard you're really good at this. They want to come learn from you. And 
that's something that really helps because there's a lot of good grapplers in Northeast Ohio. You know what I mean? There's a ton of tough guys here. And, you know, for me, like, I don't think that I'm not the best grappler in Ohio. You know I mean? There's definitely better grapplers than me, but if you want to be the best grappler that you can be for sure, at least in Northeast Ohio, you have to come train with us. You know, people will tell you like, there's plenty of guys around that'll tell you like, we, like you have the best guys in, in your gym period. And I'll put that on anything on anything. You know, it's like I said, well, I'm really good. And you kind of hinted this earlier, like people that come into the gym that don't know how to do jujitsu any other way, they stick around. Yeah. Cause you but, teach them kind yeah, of your way. Yeah. But guys that come from other gyms that are like blue belts, purple belts, brown belts that come from other schools that just want to come in and train or like, yeah, I'm thinking about training here. They don't make it because they have a very preconceived notion. Again, not only what combat is, but what jujitsu is. And they come in and they try their techniques that they've tried in other schools that don't work or, you know, they tried against on like one of my white belts, one of my blue belts, and they smash through their guard and mount them. And then they're like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the type of like ego that you have in jiu-jitsu because a lot of people, they go from like being a big fish in a small pond to a little fish in a real big pond. And a lot of people don't know how to handle that because if you have to spar like Dude, imagine fighting like Ben, Devin, Garrison, Roller, Plaz, both the Plasic brothers, you know what I mean? Uh, Joe, Tommy, all those back-to-back rounds. We don't, get we, don't, out of here. we don't even fight that many rounds, you know what I mean? Get you, out of here. you couldn't even fight that many people. We don't even do that many rounds. We maybe do like six six-minute rounds or seven six-minute rounds. We don't even have that much time to fight all those guys. Well, not even to mention, like, the last time Mark was in town, like, the first time I had met him, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I can't fight Ben and Devin both the same mm-hmm. day. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll get one of you guys today. Yeah. To, you know, no, I'll get I can't you deal with monsters. Tomorrow. Yeah, I can't get deal with monsters. But that's the Killers. thing. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, like I said, people that come in that, that, that only have only ever done jiu-jitsu with me, they'll be all right because it's hard. You know, that's the one thing like, you know, my student Mason, he, he, he's travels all over the place. Jason Wyatt travels all over the place and, you know, they train at other gyms and whatnot. They've gone and trained at other gyms and some of them have been okay. And then they're just like, dude, there's nothing like here. There's nothing like being in this gym, being at home. And it's not just the, the comfortability. It's that the instructor may not do a good warm up, maybe doesn't do a good job teaching. You know, because I've heard plenty of horrible stories about guys going to train at other gyms and the instructors just kind of like being super disrespectful or whatnot. But try to make everybody feel welcome. But at the same time, you have to let them know, like, dude, this is not a, like. It's not playtime. When you come in here, work. when you come in here and you wear that belt, you best damn well be able to defend it. Because I'm going to tell you, these guys, like, and they're not going to come after you any differently than they would each other. But all they know how to do is fight hard. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it. it's certainly not a malicious no, thing. And, and not at all. Like, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to come after you because I'm not coming after you to prove a point to you. I'm coming after you because, like, if you're a purple belt, to me, like in this sport, you're almost like a pretty much like a professional. So I'm not going to take it easy on you. So if you don't like that, then go somewhere else. But when you're like a white belt, of course, I could mangle like any white belt comes through. You could just mangle them, hold them down, but it doesn't help them. It doesn't yeah. teach them anything. And that's, There's and a that, time and for that. And that's a big thing that you teach that's in just embedded in that culture. Yeah. It's like for the upper belts, it's your job to make the new people better. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Absolutely. Because... You know, I'll tell you, like, when I was a white belt, I didn't want to train with any of the white belts. I wanted to train with the blue belts. You know what I mean? The higher, the highest ranked guys in the gym at the time were the blue belts. So I wanted to train with them because they knew more. 
But it's your job as a higher ranking guy, if you're a purple belt, brown belt, when the white belt or blue belt asks you for help, you need to help them. Like give back. That's your job. It's not, no, like I don't want to help or I don't want to do that. Like I don't have, I have no patience for that shit. That, that pisses me off more than anything with people like, it's almost like you're big leaguing them. Like their time, like it's not worth your time to help them. Like that pisses me off more than anything because it's not fair. Number one, it's not right. And number two, like, how would you feel if somebody did that shit to you? I mean, you would feel so small. Like, oh, dude, like, he, I just suck and he doesn't want to help me. No, dude, take, give the time back. Help them. You know, that's why, like, the flow rounds help so much. That's why making sure, like, you know, when I make the white belts and, like, the color belts spar is to help each other. Because two new white belts going together, they're not really going to help anything. All they're going to do is fucking hurt themselves. Yeah. You know? Like, people are like, oh, you're jiu-jitsu black belt. You're dangerous. No, I'm probably the safest guy in the gym to train with. Yeah. Yeah. The most dangerous belt in jiu-jitsu is white belt because you don't know shit. Yeah, for sure. Like, I always, like, look out for, like, the purple belts, yeah. the brown belts. Like, I want to roll with you guys because, yeah. like, I know you're not going to hurt me. No. You know, and I know I can't hurt you. Right. Because you guys know too much. So, let's right. let's figure this out together. And it's, you know, plus they can help me. Like, okay, you did this wrong. Move here. Yeah. Try this. Do this different. So, that that's always good. All right. So, so what 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 year or month or whatever did you op- open up? So it was a year after we, you got your yeah, black belt. Yeah, we opened September 2018. Okay. So September of 18, I was a black. I got my black belt in October of 17, so pretty much a year later. And um, yeah, I opened the doors. Um, you know, it was scary, man. You know, I, I I don't have a business degree. I didn't go to school for that. You know, I didn't know shit. You know, I I luckily had Mark. I had my buddy Carlos. I had a lot of guys that I could lean on that had jujitsu academies, and they gave me a lot of good advice. A lot of good advice. You know, this is how you're going to want to set up the accounts. This is how, you know, these are, you know, I would look to get these kind of mats and I would, you know, do, you know, like have your waiver set up like this. They gave me all that shit. Yeah. The jiu-jitsu community is such a tight-knit group of people that, you know, if, especially if you're in with them, they'll help you. I mean, because they want, they want jiu-jitsu to get popular too, you know what I mean? Because it's more business that'll push their way. Exactly. But. And when you first started, how many people were there at the gym? My first, my first draft of people uh, was maybe 28. 27, 28. Where we at a year later? Uh, one year later, we were almost 100. Nice. And and people think that that's crazy. They're like, you know, that's that's amazing. You know, what do you do? You know, to, to what did you do to grow your business so fast? And it's like, it's not me. You have good culture. I don't advertise. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't send out ads. I maybe send out. I think I've sent out two ads on Facebook. Two ads on Facebook. One on Instagram, and uh, that's it. I have a website. I have a website and a phone number you can call. But what I tell people is that the reason that the gym is successful is not me. It's everyone in there that has developed a culture that you can come in, you can train, it's safe, and you can learn jujitsu and be a part of something. It's not that you know. I know plenty of gyms you can go in that it's. You train and you leave. You don't really have that type of camaraderie that you have with us. Because when you have that type of camaraderie where guys are working together, men and women are working together to get better at something, it's safe because they care for each other. They look out for each other. And of course, we're competitive as hell. We spar hard, man. We get after it. We fight so hard. But guess what? It's safe. We don't hurt each other. You no. know, accidents do happen. Of course. You know, temper- that's that's yeah, going to happen anywhere. anything. You know, tempers are going to flare and whatnot. People get pissed. But guess what? They get better. And, you know, I think with, you know, having good people around me, having good people help the new guys 
making them feel a part of the team, making helping the women feel safe is the one thing that's helped the gym grow so much. Because trust me, you can go into plenty of gyms and, and sign up for jujitsu. You know what I mean? You can train and you know, like one of my students, like the best the one of the like the best compliments I ever got in my life is my student Aaron. He trained at a local academy up in, in the Cleveland area. And uh he was like I think I trained at that gym for two or three months and the instructor didn't even know my name. I don't think he knew my name. And he's like, the second day that I walked in the gym after my first class, the next time that I walked in, you knew my name. And you're like, hey, Luther, what's going on? And like I had been there, like I had known you for a while. You know what I mean? Like I had been training there for a while. Because people feel comfortable. They feel yeah. at home. They feel welcome. You know, there's plenty of places that you can go where, trust me, I've been in plenty of gyms where I've walked in and it wasn't super comfortable. And I knew, I was like, okay, well, it's going to be a fight. You know, and that's fine. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with that. And we can get after it all you want, man. I'll give you all you want. But I think that those type of gyms don't make it and they don't have as many students because of that type of mentality. Because it, it's hard for people to feel a part of it. You yeah. know I mean, they're like, you're. this is the in-group and you're over here and you're not in with us yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? For us, it's you're in until you do something that's like, disrespectful or you do something that's totally inappropriate and then you're out and then there's no coming back. So, you know, to me, it's, it's definitely having a, a culture, having a, an environment that people want to be a part of, want to come into. Cause you know, like after every training session, guys lay on the mat and they make fun of each other. They bullshit. Yeah, but it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, but that's fun. You know what I mean? After a good hard day of training, you know, you guys are sitting there going over techniques or, Guys are bullshitting about, you know, going to, you know, watch the UFC or, you know. Or just about life in yeah, general. Yeah, just cares? about anything, just, yeah. Just talking. You know, and, 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 if, and if your forte is to, you know, go to a gym and train and leave, then then do that. You know what I mean? Find an environment that's like that. You know what I mean? But I, I personally don't feel that in those type of gyms that you will, I just don't feel that you'll have the same level of success and longevity in jiu-jitsu as you will in a gym where you're not just. $99, $125, $150, whatever they charge a month. Yeah. You're just like a membership fee. Like, here you yeah, go. You're just a number. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up a good first uh, podcast with you. I think we'll definitely do, do some more of these like we've talked. Um, we'll see kind of how the format goes. Like, whether we right. want to maybe answer some questions or uh, just tell some old stories or competition stuff or bring on some of the guys from the gym and just bust balls. Oh, Who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll have a good time. Is there any uh, closing thoughts that you want to leave with everyone? Guys, I appreciate, you know, if you listen to this, um, if you have any questions, um, this will be posted on Facebook. Uh, it's it's going to go up uh, to be um, just uh, online as, as the podcast. And you can post it right. on, on your Facebook Perfect. and your social media and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you guys have any type of questions or Anything that you want to know about me or about my jujitsu journey, you know, you feel free to ask. Um, I thank you so much for having me on here to kind of talk about my jujitsu story, and you know, um, you know, it's 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 really truly cool to to, to come on a, a platform like this and to be able to share like not only like about myself but about you know a sport that's done a lot for me. And I hope you know if there's if anyone gets anything from this is the you know, the great things that jujitsu can do for you and, and just finding something that you truly love. And if, if you find something that you love, man, just make sure that you, you enjoy it. So, you know, again, thank you for having me on and, and, you know, thank you guys for listening. You're very welcome. Now, where can people find you on the interwebs and also in person? So if you guys want to find me on Facebook, uh, my name's Shannon White. You can find me on there. Uh, I have a pretty, 
you know, my profile pictures, obviously me and a gee. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at the Savage BJJ. And uh, if you want to find, if you need to contact the gym, uh, you can visit trueartbjj.com. Uh, my email and all that stuff's on there, trueartbjj at gmail.com. Uh, our phone number's on there if you want to get in contact about any, you know, intro lessons or anything like that. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, you, know, you can feel free to get in contact with Matt or you, you know, email me or you know, private message me direct and uh, you know, we'll get you guys set up. And then you're obviously the gym is located in the Fairlawn, Ohio area. So yep. if you guys are in Northeast Ohio, get your asses a true art. That's right, baby. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. What an interesting story that Shannon has to tell. And I'll bet you there's some more stuff that we can get into into the weeds as we uh, have him back on the podcast and dig more into his story. I'm sure there's some interesting and fun stories that we haven't heard yet. I know I've heard a couple around the gym, but I'm sure there's some that I haven't heard either because I've only been going there for a few months and only known Shannon for a little bit here. But if you guys are still listening, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's so awesome to see it growing every month new episodes getting downloaded it's good that it's on more platforms now for you guys to listen to so hopefully that's helping with the sharing with all of our friends and telling new people about it hopefully that's bringing some new people to the podcast but i still need your help please let's go out and leave some five-star reviews for the show that really helps it gets bumped up in the rankings so that we can get new people listening to the show but that's all we have time for this week so we will see you guys next time on uncensored humanity